Hey everyone, welcome to the Ganja Show. Our guest for the day is uh, Deepak Anand. It's quite uh, uh, an honor to have him on the show. First of all, he's an Indian guy. He's born in Mumbai. Uh, I've stayed in Bombay for five years. It's, uh, the city is amazing. Uh, post that he went to Canada, which is something that uh, I'm also looking to do. So that kind of uh, resonates with me a lot. But uh, uh, he's had some great experiences working for more than ten. years in the pharmaceutical industry and uh, being uh, the founder and executive director of a medical marijuana association in Canada which is very much needed in India and now he's the founder of and uh, CEO of Materia they work with medical cannabis across the world and welcome to the show Deepak thank you so much for coming thanks Vipin very excited to be here sure uh Yeah, just what we were discussing before the podcast, the sort of internationality of uh, uh, the cannabis industry. I actually did not know that uh, Canadian companies uh, are expanding so rapidly uh, in different uh, European countries. Uh, I mean, why is that the case? I was just reading the article, Forbes articles that you had contributed to. I mean, why is that the case? Is it because the, the growing laws are not so good in Europe? Yeah, look, uh first of all, I mean, you know, uh, Canada has really done quite a bit with respect to the globalization of cannabis. Uh mm-hmm. you know, we're the first G7 country and and the first G20 country to have legalized cannabis at a federal level or national level, uh which is a significant milestone. You know, you haven't seen any of the any of the countries look at legalization at that level, particularly in the United States. Um you know, you've got a number of states that have legalized cannabis for both medical and non-medical purposes but you really haven't seen this international element of legalization which is a whole other ball game right i was very very close to the government of canada when they were legalizing uh, cannabis first for medical purposes then for recreational purposes and i think what canada has done is really understood uh, what the international complexities are with respect mm-hmm. to the trade of cannabis there's uh, you know cannabis is a controlled substance it, it sits on the single convention of narcotic drugs uh, and so there's a number of uh, things that need to be considered when you're trying to deal with the movement of cannabis between countries and across borders it's one thing to do it domestically within your own borders and then there's a whole other ball game to do it internationally. So, I think Canada has done that really well. I think what that's resulted in is really two things. I think it's created people and products. Uh I think it's created uh, a whole human intelligence and, and and a workforce that has, you know, worked on cannabis from a regulatory side, from a policy side, from a, a production side. Uh and that's what we're taking internationally and so I think when, you know, I've had the fortune to be in the industry now for just over 7 years in Canada and look at it from its infancy all the way up until the stage that it is now. And so as we look at international markets one of the reasons that we decided to go to Germany to advance your question and and to the UK and Malta uh was just because there was nobody that was looking at this seriously in in those markets and and on the flip side there was a lot of demand for for product right we've got um you know over 15000 kilos of cannabis just in the german market alone that's being sold in 2020 mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a sizable demand uh and so you know there were companies that were doing it were either canadian companies that had grown too big like hanapina aurora and tilray that were selling products into that market but not really looking at it from you know what is it that german patients want and so we looked at it from a regional approach uh and and penetrated it that way yeah i mean uh, that's 
one of the most interesting about the cannabis industry right uh, it is something uh, that we haven't experienced since uh, decades i think no industry that uh, is working in one country is uh, sort of legal and illegal in some other country so i think that's an uh, an amazing point that some and it's sort of uh, india will have to a lot of catching up to do if they don't legalize it uh, you know as early as possible they uh, will have all the talent that is in canada and us uh, sort of uh, you know that we'll have to follow all of those models steering away from the conversation what do your <laughs> parents sort of think of you coming into the cannabis industry as an indian uh, has it been a little bit of stigma from their side and if you don't mind sharing do they use it for medicinal purposes Yeah so look my whole family is in India and uh you know nobody in my family has really used cannabis for any purposes uh, uh there's still quite frankly a lot of stigma i mean I, you know i don't mm. think my parents fully understand or appreciate what it is that i do uh you know i think they've now started to understand that you know i'm working in a legal atmosphere but the stigma mm. is real uh and serious and uh and i think this is a challenge that we as south asians and indians particularly face right i think that um there's this over hanging challenge uh because we've been told that you know drugs are bad um through our whole lives right growing up in society and it's very hard to change the mindset of 70 80 year old people at this point yeah. it's just not going to happen right so so that's a very real and live conversation that been that i think uh people often at least in the western world don't really seem to speak about much because it's you know here it's taken for granted that you know we've had legal cannabis now for 10 years mm. for medical purposes in canada and for, you know just over 2 years now for recreation purposes but it is uh, you know it is a live uh, challenge for sure yeah in fact i mean lot of uh, kids uh, and lot of adults also stay uh, like I-, i meant teenagers and adults stay with their parents for a longer period even after getting married things like that and these are some social issues that we as a country would constantly keep facing uh even if uh, we legalize to a certain extent and in fact like you said the sushant singh rajput's case i mean it uh, sort of you know <laughs> created so much bad image in terms of it sort of echo chambers right if anybody had a ba- bad image of cannabis now it's worse because it was used by a celebrity in bollywood mafia and so many so many different things um Yeah. Yeah, Vipin, I was just going to say, you know, how sad it, it, it you know is it that we as even Indian society and as Indians, you know, promote the consumption of alcohol. You know, you are almost, you know, it's very it's very common for someone my age to sit my dad and have, you know, a, yeah. a glass of uh wine or a glass of beer or whiskey or whatever the case may be and it's almost encouraged and promoted and celebrated right whether it be around festivals whether it be around traditions whatever it might be right but mm-hmm. the fact that we are stigmatizing the use of cannabis to this extent is is actually quite unfortunate i think it's actually much more unfortunate for those patients that are using it for medical purposes and for therapeutic purposes and i think uh you look at the the depression pandemic that's actually occurring right now is 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 quite unfortunate and i think if there are people that can benefit from this product i think we do them this service when we start to stigmatize uh these sorts of products uh and you know and uh, really the phenomenon of cannabis and i think one of the things that people really fully have and understood is you know this the substance was legal you know we do have an endocannabinoid system 
in each yeah. and every one of our bodies. There's no disputing or debating that. It's not like you've got an alcohol system in your body that, you know, will process alcohol and suddenly, <laughs> you know, magical things will happen in your body. We've got an endocannabinoid system. And I think, uh, you know, the, the fact that we aren't really following science is is a bit unfortunate. And I say this across the board. I don't mean to say this just on India alone, but uh, I think India just per perpetuates that culture. And I think generally Asia seems to follow. I mean, China, uh, you know, Korea, Singapore, uh, Thailand, Thailand's now started to legalize. But, you know, generally, you know, the whole region uh, seems to really stigmatize this product uh, quite unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, talking about education, I mean, you have a course, uh, you're teaching a course on about cannabis. Uh, how has that been for you? And uh, do you think it has helped a lot of people uh, like the sort of feedback that if you gotten from people after teaching that, how has it helped them? Yeah. Back yeah. to uh, your your comment on education. Um, one of the reasons that I uh, first approached the institution here in Canada it was, by the way, it was the first course in the world that had been done at a university level. Period. Um, yeah. And so it was again, there was a lot of stigma. There was a lot of board approvals. There's a lot of ethics approvals that we had to go through. But I was like, guys, like you know, this is going to be an international course. We're talking about uh, doing these things in a central or a national or a federal basis, and everyone's going to be very interested in in understanding how do you comply with this. And so uh, the course was taken by people around the world. Uh, you know, we had coverage on every major news station. And, uh, you know, it was a significant achievement to be able to go out and educate people on that. And I think one of the big things that's going that has come about is we still don't have enough education, whether it be on the research side, whether it be on the pharma side, whether it be even on the cultivation side. Uh, we need to be doing more and more education and kind of, you know, teaching people more and more about the plant and, and all of its benefits and how to cultivate it and how to sell it and how to export it and how to, you know, do all of these things in a compliant mm -hmm. fashion. So I think that's a very, very important conversation. Uh, if you talk about uh, industries, uh, sort of coming back to the education part, like people have no idea what blockchain is, what cryptocurrencies is. It's not even into mainstream education. A lot of new ed tech companies in India are sort of uh, coming up with new courses. Uh, do you think uh, that would be... Uh, just touching upon the education sub subject a little bit more that would be the future of education in terms of a decentralized uh, non uh, you know uh, university or college based education it's mostly focused on the teacher uh, who's expert in his field and the students who want to learn from them yeah I think so. I think there's uh, there's definitely interest for that within, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of interest in that in, in India as well, right? I mean, uh, I think what people are losing sight of is, you know, people are looking at us, and I consider us as, as being non people from India, and, and I don't mean people of Indian origin, but I mean Westerners, hmm. to tell us about the plant. I think it's actually quite backwards. You know, you've got cultivators in Himachal that have been growing this product for for entire generations, right? Hmm. That know how to extract, process, cultivate, do all of those different things way better than us in the West, uh, quote unquote, know how to do, right? We've taken this plant and we've kind of made it, uh, made some unique things. I think it's very important to highlight how these things are actually being done in India and what actually is happening uh, there and to be able to promote it, right? India has some interesting land race strains that are indigenous to the country that uh, have 
tremendous benefit, right? And I think we need to be showcasing that on the international stage. So yes, as much as we from the outside can be coming to India to to, to impart and, uh, and provide some awareness, I certainly think on the, regu the regulatory side, there's a lot that we can bring in. But on the cultivation side, on, on kind of, you know, cannabis as a plant, and, you know, it's been in the Vedas, it's been in a variety of different uh, cultures and traditions for far longer than it's been out here in the West. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot that we can actually adopt. So I think it's really a, a merging and a combining of both those two different things and saying, let's learn from the regulatory side from the West. How have they gone about regulating it? How are they exporting something that is a narcotic product into different countries? Hmm. But let's also take all the benefits in places like India. I mean, you know, Malana cream has been around for a very long time, right? You know, you've had bhang available for a very, very long time in India. And, you know, people have been, sadhus have been using it for, for decades. So let's, let's kind of bring those two things together. I think there's a really, really good opportunity here for India to be able to excel at the, at the global stage, right? Uh, at bringing those, those things together. But I think the regulatory side is, is, is really interesting. And I think that's quite frankly, Vipin, where India has lacked. I think, unfortunately, we, we aren't that great with respect to uh, embracing policy regulations. I think governments have always either it's always been driven by an agenda on behalf of the industry or it's always been uh, something that hasn't really been taken on. So I think there's a real mind shift that needs to change. And looking at this uh, Sushant Singh case, unfortunately, and looking at the news, it really it really makes uh, my heart sink when you look at things like this because it's you know you're not having the right conversation. You're not targeting yeah. drug dealers and drug peddlers. You're actually targeting what people call users, I call consumers, uh, you know, that's kind of what you need to look at. That's the fundamental shift that needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, the media coverage for the CBD oil, uh, only I think two or three interviews happened with the Indian cannabis industry guys. Apart from that, there were like, uh, millions of interviews happening every day constantly bashing the plant and constantly bashing what is happening and that's sort of disrespecting your old culture i think i mean not making that connection only few uh i couldn't say even the same publications had two different agendas <laughs> and two different yeah. narratives for the same plant uh, and i think that happens a lot like whitewashing of uh, our own culture that is sort of i think uh, is happening a lot yeah yeah, I know. One of the things I was going to say is, you know, I, it's important to understand, you know, forget the fact that there might be benefits in cannabis. Forget about the therapeutic benefit. Forget about all of that. Uh, just on, a, just on a, a human basis alone, just understand that you're not going to be able to arrest your way out of this problem. You're mm -hmm. not going to be able to put enough people in jail for a major impact to happen, right? Because you've got today, as you speak, hundreds and thousands of millions of people in India that are using CBD oil, that are using cannabis, whether it be for medical purposes or for recreational purposes. So if you think you're going to be able to arrest all these people and put them in jail, and then you're going to be address addressing the issue, it is just not going to happen, right? We've seen this in countries like Canada. Our health minister uh, famously went to the United Nations and said, you know, she said, we can't arrest our way out of this problem. So we need to find a different approach. We need to find a public health approach to this, because the fact is that people are consuming or using it. The fact is that kids under the age of 18 are consuming this product. It's not a benign substance. It has effects on the developing brain. Uh, you know, there, there, there are some serious health consequences, you know. So one of the, the arguments that Canada made for legalization was that we've got 12 and 13 year old 
kids in this country that are using and have access to cannabis that should absolutely not be on cannabis, right? So yeah. the only way that we're going to be able to address that issue is if we legalize it and have a conversation. Because if you're going to say it's illegal, people are still going to access it. And I think this is where the disconnect is mainly in India is that you're not, you can get all of Bollywood, you can get all of, uh, you know, these A-listers in, in different places and in different industries, and you can put them all into jail. It's not going to address the issue. It's going to make really good media highlights. But if you think yeah. it's going to take the cannabis problem away, it's not. It's just not. That's just not going to happen. That's a fool's game to try and chase that. Yeah, I mean, just in last podcast, I was discussing uh, uh, like the existence of a black market actually is deterrent to what people are trying to do, right? Uh, you just shared this article where uh, within the two years of recreational legalization in uh, Canada, the usage uh, within the age of, I think, uh, 14 to 18 has gone down. That is because the access gets limited to a certain extent. The uh, Your roadside dealer is not going to ask your age, not going to ask you about your ID, things like that. And in fact, like so many challenges of illicit market of something like I don't, I'm not saying that you should legalize drugs altogether, but of something that exists, like that grows in uh, naturally across India. Uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, unimaginable for someone like us who who trying to like for me at least that i'm just learning about the industry but you have been there for so long but uh yeah i mean <laughs> it's sort of mind-boggling and uh, something should happen i think uh, currently uh the government has created this committee for amendments in ndps act the deadline for that is 17th of november uh i'm just encouraging people to write in i'm hopefully going to get an indian lawyer on board to understand what is happening and how can we sort of you know push the government towards the right path nudge i can't say push we can only nudge them to a certain extent but yes yeah what i might say on that Vipin, is you know and uh you know i've had the fortune to be you know quite a, quite a bit involved on social media and i think one of the things that we inherently and i can say this as indians don't do well is collaborate right we yeah. tend to go into silos and do our own things and you know i'm not going to share it with you because you're going to then compete with me and the fact of the matter is if there's no industry there's going to be nothing to compete with so yeah. you better all get on the same page and try and do this together so when you say i want to work with a lawyer you know there's a couple of lawyers in natural that have been doing some amazing work with respect to cannabis and and cannabis possession cannabis amnesty and i feel like the need for a collaborative industry association that represents all kinds of industry that works as one voice is critical at this juncture and, and you mentioned the ndps review and kind of you know putting in submissions i completely encourage people to to put their submissions in but i feel like you you need to almost do this uh, as a combined collaborative effort don't hmm. worry about competing because if this is going to continue to be stigmatized and, 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 and treated as a narcotic, there's going to be nothing to compete on. So don't worry about something that isn't there. Like worry about trying to mainstream something today, right? As opposed to trying to get into these silos and, you know, I'm going to get a license and, you know, someone else is not going to get a license. And so, you know, uh, working on that game and more importantly, trying to, uh, call for enforcement and trying to shut people down, I think is, is, is not really going to do anybody any any favors. I think we need to collectively as an industry 
uh, all band together and, and really tell the government, like, this is kind of what we think are policy errors. And let's not forget, most importantly, patients, and let's keep them at the at the front and center because, uh, you know, there, there really isn't an industry, and I think we, we do people a huge disservice by by not including them in the conversation. So I think if you start to get patients in, in the mix, I think you're going to have this humanitarian, compassionate argument, which industry, quite frankly, is never going to be able to make to the same level. So I think that also needs to be added to the mix. And what I'm seeing, particularly evolved in India, is a very very uh, business-centric approach to the legalization of cannabis, which hmm. uh, in my mind would be quite unfortunate if you don't include patients in this conversation. Yeah, no, exactly. I've seen that a lot in India and it happens a lot. Like I said, I mean, it's so easy to get people from West for as simple thing as a podcast, I mean, right? Uh, but, and it 100% happens like people not willing to share. Uh, I would definitely credit Bohiko for uh, sharing as much as possible. They try and be in conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, the very less people like that who are trying to be in different different conversations and still trying to be a part of an industry where people are sort of fighting with each other rather than growing together. Like you said, there's nothing right now, right? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. not, yeah. What, yeah and like, also, Vipin, like, you know, don't tell me that there's no kids with pediatric epilepsy in India. Don't tell me that there mm. isn't people that have serious health issues that, you know, that we've seen in the West. I mean, you look at you look at news articles from the UK right now. You look at Billy Caldwell, Charlotte Caldwell, uh, you know, and a variety of other kids and patients that are in the front and center of the news that are demanding access from the government. Don't tell me these problems don't exist in India because I'm not buying it. Right. But yeah. I'm not seeing it. I haven't seen one patient in India come forward and say that I I. I I need to use cannabis or I have been using cannabis medical purposes and you can put me in jail. But the fact is like that, you know, I'm going to die if I'm not on this medicine. And if we're not able to bring this down to that level, quote unquote, it's going to be very hard for governments to see what, you know, the argument and the issue, uh, because you've got this this concern amongst regulators and government as well. that They don't want to be looked at serving the needs of industry. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're not what they don't want to legalize, a, quote unquote, a drug or a substance uh, that has negative outcomes because industry is putting pressure onto them. But when you put a patient in front of them, that's a whole other conversation. Are you going to argue with a mother of a eight year old child that has 100 seizures a day that those seizures didn't go down to one. And do you want to throw that mother into jail because she's now giving her child medicine? And she's seeing her, his seizures go down from 100 to one seizure a day. I mean, go ahead, right? I mean, US government, are, are you going to arrest that person? I mean, you, can you imagine the backlash that would come out from something like that? So I think that's the conversation that needs to be, needs to be happening. I think you get way more uh, mileage by something like that. Uh, than any argument that industry can make for any dollar sign, right? Uh, and, and that's the right reason, most importantly, Vipin. Uh, you know, it needs to be done for the right reasons. And and, and I don't see that happening. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, there's a lot that you have put out to be pondered upon. And uh, essentially, like, uh, even a lot of the things that you have said has sort of impacted me in a way to think in a different manner. And to be able to appreciate, first of all, what India is doing in certain ways and to be able to go to a right path, not always keep chasing the dollars. Uh, it could be a good way to, you know, catch the he headlines, right? Like a $25 billion industry, whatever. But the main focus should always remain the um, uh, promoting wellness and health of a lot of patients. I mean, I have had a lot of family members uh, uh, suffer from cancer. A few of them have died as well. And I constantly keep thinking if... Uh, cannabis was there to help them uh, in some or the other way because I've seen them suffering so much. Uh, 
uh, how, how different could it be right and once you and there's always somebody in your family who's suffering because of uh, like cancer is a uh, crazy disease so uh, you know somebody who's suffered so much and i think that's one of the most relatable thing for people to be able to you know connect to most of all uh yeah thank you deepak thank you so much for coming on the show uh great conversation